Hey guys, welcome to Dreamers That Do, a podcast all about artists and their creative careers. I'm Micah. And I'm Micaiah. And every week, we talk about taking risks, creative confidence, and our all-time favorite superheroes. <laughs> so sit back and enjoy today's episode, brought to you by Of Noble. Hey friends, Micaiah here, and I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation. But before we jump in, I want to give a special thank you to one of our amazing Dreamers That Do sponsors, Kaylin Juliana Photo and Film. Some of you may know this because Mike and I have shared a little bit about it on Instagram stories, but we got married really young. In fact, Micah turned 21 years old two days before our wedding, and I was just 22. And one of our biggest dreams ever is to redo our wedding day. And I know that sounds crazy. I don't even think I've heard anyone else say that before, but we got married so young. We were just so excited to start our lives together that we didn't spend a lot of time actually thinking about the wedding day. So one of the biggest mistakes we made was not having a wedding photographer. And I know in 2018, in the age of Instagram, that probably sounds ridiculous to you, but It's completely what happened. I maybe have like 10 printout photos that family members took that are super blurry and it's kind of sweet because it totally represents the day. But looking back, it's probably our biggest regret of our wedding. So when we finally redo our wedding day, it's really important for us to have photos that really resemble us and that document our love story. And that's why we love Kaylin Juliana so much. Kaylin focuses less on posing you in this super cool, trendy way and focuses more on just documenting your genuine love story. So if you are getting married or know someone that is, connect with Kaylin Juliana. She has this amazing deal going on right now where she will give you engagement photos, wedding photos, and a beautiful wedding film for 10% off. Just head over to her Instagram at Kaylin Juliana or go to her website at kaylinjuliana.com and message her there. And for those of you amazing people that are not getting married in this season, but still want some beautiful pictures to document your life, Kaylin is also offering our listeners 10% off of portrait sessions. So as always, I will link to our amazing show sponsors on dreamersatdo.com under our show notes, in the iTunes description box, and somewhere on Instagram. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to Dreamers That Do. Makai here with Micah. Hello, hello. And on today's episode, we are going to be shaking things up a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited because it's a little different than usual. We had an episode zero of the podcast that if you weren't lucky enough to catch it, we actually deleted it by accident. <laughs> by accident, yeah. Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> um, but it was kind of an introduction into our love story and who we were. And we figured since a lot of you probably haven't heard that, and also we just finished The Office, which was awesome, but also... So many emotions. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think we really wanted to take this time to kind of give a good introduction to everybody, but also go over 
why we feel love is so important and good love stories are important. So we are going to be talking about our love story today in the context of Parks and Rec and The Office because those have been two storylines that we personally really relate to. I'm sure we're not alone in that. Like, I'm sure a lot of people do, but like I was literally just on our bed, just like crying because of the last um, episode in The Office. So yeah, we're just going to dive in. So with Jim and Pam. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you say is the word you would use to most describe their dynamic? Oh my god, that's a really good question. You guys, this is so fresh. This is so fresh. Um, I think the word for me would be pure. Why is that? I just felt like their love was so pure. Like, it wasn't tainted by anything. It was just this genuine, honest enjoyment of one another. They just liked being around each other. It wasn't this thing of like, I I need you because I feel insecure or, you know, I need this sense of stability um, or there wasn't a sense of compromise. Like I'm, I'm compromising for something that's good, you know, even though I actually have these other desires. It was just this genuine, simple enjoyment of one another. And I really, really loved watching that and could could really just relate to it. Yeah, it really was nice because a lot of times, like, love stories get told and they include, like, a ton of drama yeah. or they there's always, like, this third party that, like, gets... And, I mean, even in The Office, there was some of that mm-hmm. with Andy and... Oh, my gosh, uh, yeah. Andy and Dwight and Angela. Mm-hmm. So, like, you see that play out and that's how a lot of, like, soap opera shows, mm-hmm. you know, just so dramatic and... I feel like with Jim and Pam, they did. They kept it really pure and really um, honest through the whole thing. And even when they had, like, that rough patch toward the end, it still felt like a genuine rough patch and not, like, this huge dramatization. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, like, when we first met and became friends... We just would talk for hours, like hours on end. And I remember we would hang out sometimes really late into the night with like a friend or two. And we would just literally like get something to eat, sit in a car, park somewhere or just drive and do nothing but talk. And it was like this endless um, conversation of just being interested and being so happy. And I remember you telling like your mom when she would ask, so what do you guys do? Do you like go to the movies or... (laughs) what do you do? And you, you you told her, like, we just sit in the car and talk. And she would just be like, what? Yeah, because I'd be out till, like, 3 in the morning Mm -hmm. sometimes because I I worked in off shift at work. And so I didn't have to go in, like, as early as I do now. Mm -hmm. So we would stay out long enough to kill my car battery. (laughs) Yeah, we killed your car battery. (laughs) And so... yeah, it, it, it is, like, reminiscent of that mm-hmm. show because they, they really just enjoyed spending time with each other. Doing stupid shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Being themselves and, mm-hmm. and enjoying just being around each other. So that was really cool. What one word would you use to describe their relationship? I think, like I said a little bit earlier, um, honest. So even when they had the rough patch at the end of the office... You could see that play out in such a a natural and real fashion that it really, like, it did showcase some of what 
I do sometimes or uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of hit home a little bit and, and it also kind of shows like even with rough patches or in things that a lot of people would be like oh that's really negative or that's this or that's that for me it was really cool to see how when like love goes through that love tr- still triumphs and comes out at the end it's not like this end of the world thing. It's just a, a part of the process because there's always going to be that in any relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's so sweet to see that, I don't know, that, that they could still come out on top. Yeah, it was really painful to watch Jim and Pam go through hard times. So hard for me. Like, that's part of why I was crying. And that's part of why we finished the office today because we had like seven or eight eight like maybe like seven episodes left but it was just so depressing to watch I was like we have to finish this today because I don't I'm gonna be depressed otherwise like I don't know how to feel while they're fighting you get so invested I get so invested you guys I get so invested especially when the characters are relatable and I don't see a lot of men like you on the screen like we talked about this with like Black Panther and Mm T'Challa And but Jim, even more realistically, like your mannerisms and (laughs) your sense of humor and the way that you react to social social situations was just like, my God, that is my husband. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that definitely played into why I was so invested into them. Do you have a favorite moment of Jim and Pam together? I think my favorite moment. Because it showcases so like perfectly who they are is on the wedding day when Pam tears her veil <laughs> and yeah. she's like breaking down practically and Jim's in there and he's just like snipping his <laughs> tie in half. Yes. I feel like that was just perfect because that's totally like who they are mm-hmm. and, and Like, Jim would do anything, and he didn't care, because as long as he was with her, it didn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I I think that's probably my favorite part. I think that there were a lot of really romantic moments throughout the season, but the one that gets me was the proposal, and it's because of how ordinary it was. And I think that really grand proposals are, like, awesome and exciting, but I love the fact that he just had to propose then and there. Like, he could not wait a second longer, and it was at a gas station in the rain, and it just makes me want to cry because, again, that's a moment of, like, relating with our love story. Um, We just, like, went from best friends to engaged. We just realized, oh my gosh, this is my person. This is the person that I want to be with. Why are, why are we going to date? Like, let's just get married. And it was at a Starbucks, you know, like at 10 in the morning on probably a Tuesday or no, I think it was like a Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Just like just a normal morning at a Starbucks that is not even noteworthy. And so I relate to that. It's just this pure desire to be with one another and you don't really care about what other people think so that's probably my favorite moment of jim and pam together so did you learn anything from jim and pam's love story i feel like something i learned toward the end of it and i guess towards 
like the beginning of it too was just that communication is ridiculously important <laughs> it's not that i didn't know that like mm-hmm. that's something that you hear all the time whenever like oh what's the key to a good relationship communication <laughs> but i think it really was showcased well toward the end of the whole show mm-hmm. and, um it's something that's like always good to hear again because it's always going to be valuable information and it's always going to be something that you want to make sure is at the forefront of your relationship. So yeah, definitely communicate. And I think they showcased it well, like communicate even when what you're trying to communicate sucks. Like even if you're like, hey, I hate the new job you just took. Like, just say that. <laughs> like, just say, I hate this, or like, I don't enjoy this, or I don't appreciate you doing that. Or, like, even if it's an inconvenient truth, I'm sorry, is that like an Al Gore thing? Is that that documentary yeah. he made? I didn't mean like that, but I don't know how else to say it. Like, even if it's something that doesn't sound good coming out, like, just let it out, anyways. Yeah, it's so necessary to just, regardless of. For me, like, even, like, whenever, it's, like, regardless of the conflict that will come mm-hmm. up because of it, always communicate. Always be sure to, to talk to each other. And it's, like, that moment, like, when Jim and Pam were kind of fighting. Um, it was Valentine's Day, and he was going to go back to Philadelphia because he was, like, well, let, maybe let's not spend Valentine's Day together because we're just going to fight. And then before he leaves, Pam says, let's fight. Like, just stay. I'd rather you stay and let's just fight for Valentine's Day, you know, as opposed to you going back to Philadelphia and us keeping the peace. And I think like we've talked about that in the past. It's the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Like peacemaking is messy business and you fight and you have the late nights and the hurt feelings, but you, you figure out how to eventually get through it as opposed to peacekeeping, which is like, you keep the peace, you're friendly to one another and you look good in public, but there's always that deep down part that's hurting or sore or Mm -hmm. like growing distant, growing distant, not connected. I think that's like, yeah, that's what was so painful to watch in the last uh, season was that lack of connection between Jim and Pam. Like, oh my God, that was hard. It, it was super painful to watch that like unfold, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the way they uh, displayed that because it's easy for people to romanticize like on-screen relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one that could easily be romanticized. Yeah. But the fact that they grounded it and and added this new dimension to it, I think was Mm. really helpful. Yeah. I think it also, yeah, helped make their relationship relatable. It wasn't this like relationship goals idea that feels like out of reach for you in your own personal life. It's like, oh shit. Like they have those moments too, where they just don't even want to talk to one another. Yeah. I think for me, because when you and I got engaged, went from best friends to engaged and were married six months later, there were a lot of people who were not on board <laughs> with that. And there were a lot of people that just didn't think that was a good idea. But watching Jim and Pam go through different seasons and because it's like a mockumentary, is that what it's called? Yeah. 
you had other people's opinions inserted in and you saw the reality that Jim and Pam were, were like living. But then you saw these moments where rumors were spread about them or people just believed lies about them. Like you would not believe how much healing that brought to my heart because I was like, oh, it's just normal. Like it's okay. Like no one's ever going to have this crystal clear picture of what your relationship is actually like. And it helped give me freedom to just be like, I don't have to convince other people of our love. Like, I just have to be happy in our relationship. And if other people aren't on board and think that our relationship is a bad idea or have this misunderstanding about who we are, how we communicate, like, I don't have to wear that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think there were moments where I was like, like tearing up and crying because the show just... Help me realize that even further, like even for you saying like the communication thing, like I know that's like on posters, like everyone says communication is key, but it's still something you, you learned on a deeper level. And for me, what I learned on a deeper level through their love story was the only people that matter in your relationship are you and the other person. And that's it. Yeah. Like, do you remember that moment where Andy thought that, um, Pam was controlling because something had happened and there was like a miscommunication and Andy was trying to get Jim out of the relationship because he's like, oh, I've been here before, bro. I know what this is like controlling women. And that's totally not at all what was happening, you know, and Jim yeah. played into it. Then it just gave me so much freedom. And even that Jim legitimately did not care what other people thought so much so that he played along just, just like helped me cope and just made me think, Man, I wish I was more like Jim. Yeah, that part was really funny. <laughs> I really loved seeing that like play out. And and yeah, I think one of Jim's best qualities was just how much he didn't care yeah. about what other people thought. Because it really was, at the end of the day, just about him and Pam. Mm-hmm. Jim and Pam helped me value less what people outside of our relationship think about our relationship. Hey friends, Makai here with a brief interruption. It's a rainy Saturday morning here in Fresno, California, about 7.25 a.m., and I'm about to step out the door for a morning yoga class. Now, for those of you who have been following Dreamers That Do for a long time, you know how big of a deal this is. I've had a really hard time making something like physical fitness a regular part of my week but it's been about two months now since I've been going to Old Town Yoga in Clovis. And you guys, I cannot stop raving about Old Town to all of my friends and family. And I know I'm late on the bandwagon. I know everyone and their mom and grandma has tried yoga and I just started it this year. So please excuse me if you already know about how amazing yoga is, but you guys, I can honestly say that over the past two months, I've been so positively impacted. I've had more drive and motivation for the things that I love. My personal relationships are healthier. I have less expectation of other people to make me happy. And I feel more in control of just my own happiness and joy. And to top it off, yesterday I put on a sweater that I haven't been able to wear in like a year. And it completely fits. And so that's a huge deal, you guys. From a girl who was working 85 to 100 hours a week, to now going to yoga regularly, slowing down and savoring life more, yoga is really changing the game for me. So I want to say a special thank you to Old Town Yoga and Clovis for having such a positive impact 
on Micah and myself. And also for being an incredible Dreamers That Do podcast sponsor. So if you guys have been curious about yoga or looking for a welcoming studio to practice in, come on out to Old Town Yoga. We have a 10% discount code for you guys for any unlimited membership. So that means whether you're purchasing the three-month membership, the six-month, or the one-year, every single month you're getting 10% knocked off of your membership price. And I think that's so amazing because Old Town Yoga is already about $20 to $30 cheaper than most studios in the area. So I'm so grateful that they would discount their price even more for you guys. To get 10% off of your membership, go to oldtownyogastudio.com and just use the code DREAMERS at checkout. That's DREAMERS, all caps, and you are good to go. All right, guys, I'm going to head out to make my 8 a.m. yoga class, but I hope you're enjoying this conversation on today's podcast episode. So let's jump back in. So we just took a brief break to jog our memories of Parks and Rec and Ben and Leslie and their dynamic. So Micah, how would you describe Ben and Leslie's relationship in one word? I would use the word dynamic. They bring a lot of energy into everything that they do. Yeah. You see it play out throughout the entirety of the show. Well, once Ben gets introduced, mm-hmm. just how every situation is like high energy and intense and it really makes it just fun to watch them. I think I'd use like a similar word. I'd use intense because from the start of the relationship to the way that like Ben announces their relationship to Leslie's mom and even to the way that they fight, like there's this intensity and passion I feel like passion is such like an ordinary word in the realm of love story but there is this intensity and passion and high energy to them that I really value yeah I really do enjoy watching Ben and Leslie partially because Leslie reminds me of you so much just all the energy you have and like the love of life that you have and wanting to make everything like cranked up to 11 (laughs) yeah and it's what really endeared that whole relationship to me was was really watching Leslie and being reminded of you or like being like you do that exact thing in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like we get angry at the same types of things in life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty positive Leslie is an Enneagram 7 as well as Michael, Michael Scott. I think definitely Leslie's seven and yeah, heck of Michael Scott. Oh my gosh, you guys. Watching Michael Scott and Leslie Nope help me feel like a sane person. Like I was sane, like <laughs> well, like I was crazy and sane at, at the same time because you watch these characters and they're like obviously exaggerations, but you don't understand. Like I feel like a living exaggeration. Like I don't know if you would know that about me unless you're really close like to me in real life or married to me (laughs) but I react so strongly and I want everything in life to be so extravagant and yeah Leslie just helped me feel sane (laughs) and helped me feel like okay well you're not the only one at least in a fictitious world you are not the only one yeah and I really feel like it's one of your best qualities while it can be like in some circumstances, it makes me a little nervous, mm-hmm. uh, but it, most of the time, it's like this joy of life. Like, you just really enjoy life, and you love to enjoy life, mm-hmm. and so it, it makes everything 
better. And, and that's kind of like how it worked with watching Leslie in that relationship. You could see how she kind of pulled Ben a little bit mm-hmm. along with her. And eventually, like, they were, were really complimentary to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's a grounding. And I do feel like since we're like Enneagram segue, Jim has to be an Enneagram 9. Oh, yeah. I know we're jumping back into the office, but he has to be an Enneagram 9. Yeah, I think that's why I relate to him so much is because he really does. He feels probably one of the closest fictional characters Mm -hmm. to who I actually am. In real life. Yeah. 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 And I feel that same way about Leslie. I think that's why I have her framed picture on my work desk. Yeah. (laughs) Because it just, yeah, her hunger for life. So do you have a favorite Leslie and Ben moment? Um, man, it's, it's a, they had a lot of really good moments in that show. Mm-hmm. But I think one of my favorites probably has to be where Ben and Leslie are at the, I guess the town's smallest part where <laughs> yeah. she turned like an old phone booth like <laughs> plot into a, a, a park. Uh-huh. And that was where they decide, like, to officially try their relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know. There was just something really sweet about that moment. It was, like, kind of this realization. Mm-hmm. And then just choosing to go for it regardless of... Consequence. Yeah, the consequence of it all. And so I, I think that's probably my favorite one. I really love that moment, too. And I think that's what was so fun for me about the relationship. I think as a seven, I see the world in like these high intensities. And so I love the fact that it was like, and we chose love, like regardless of the consequence. And it's just this very diehard-esque narrative. And that just, I feel like is the world I live in, in my head. Yeah. So I think that's why I enjoy watching that moment and why that one's my favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. But what about you? Do you have a favorite one? So one of my favorite moments is when Leslie gets kicked out of city council and it's her last day and Ben is trying really hard to figure out, okay, what do I give her as a gift? And he buys her like a one hour session with Jennifer Barkley, Ben's old boss. That was also like a political consultant yeah Yeah, strategist consultant and she like is talking to leslie and basically saying you're playing it too small like don't don't run on city level like run on state level like dream bigger i think for me i love that moment because it's like ben knew leslie so well he knew what she needed yeah it showed really good like knowledge of his wife at that point Mm-hmm. Because she was like on a downward spiral, <laughs> but he was able to find something to kind of turn around that whole experience for her. And it meant a lot to me personally, because I can relate to that feeling. Like we've had these moments creatively where I'm like, oh, I had this really great idea and it epically failed, you know, and I feel like there's no coming down from this. Like, I mean, like coming, coming back, coming back from this. <laughs> yeah. There's like, I don't. I don't know what's after this. I feel devastated. I feel like I can't dream because, again, very dramatic, um, live in a very intense reality in my head. And Ben is so grounded. And that like that moment with Ben reminded me of you, the way that you'll talk to me. You'll you'll be very straightforward with me and like, no, that's stupid. Like, that's a really dumb <laughs> idea. Do not do that. And 
the way that he handled the situation in a very sobering way. Yeah. I appreciate as someone that can relate to Leslie and very much needs those kind of people in my life. Yeah, that is a good moment. I feel like it showcases like what they are to each other really well. So did you learn anything from Ben and Leslie's relationship? And I do feel like such a geek right now. Like we're legitimately having a full-fledged conversation about fictitious characters (laughs) and their love stories. But did you learn anything? Well, first, just to kind of validate what we're doing right now, I feel like it's really nice to be able to see depth in a show so much that you're able to extrapolate from it like life truths yeah yeah yeah. and so that's what i really love both of those shows Mm -hmm. but for ben and leslie i think i learned to embrace the fullness of who you are like apart and together because they both have these kind of strong identities Mm -hmm. and and apart they're both very like strong in their own way but when you bring them together they're even stronger Mm -hmm. and It really is just, like, a beautiful, like, thing to watch, like, them all together and mesh. Because, like, you see it, like, whenever they're planning the the carnival or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just flow off of each other. And it's just really cool to to watch that. So I think it's really just embracing the fullness of who each other are. Yeah. And um, learning how to flow with that as opposed to trying to change someone. Because it would be very mm. easy for Ben to be like, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tone it down. Mm-hmm. Or for her to be like, you're so slow. Like, let's just keep going. You're so mm-hmm. risk averse. Like, yeah. No, I, I feel like they both allowed each other to, to compliment each other really well. So that's what I liked. And that's like the message that I took away. It's just to kind of like allow yourself to, to be who each other are and, and make the best of that. I feel like I actually learned a similar lesson from that. I think sometimes, like, I don't know if there are other Enneagram people listening, and particularly any Enneagram 7s, and I'm sure 4s can probably relate to this, too. I think often, like, I feel like I'm too much, like I'm too excessive. And for a lot of seasons of my life, I feel like I've downplayed what I actually wanted to do, and Leslie, nope didn't really do that at all and so it really helped me to just embrace like no I'm a little crazy I'm a little excessive and much and that's okay and especially like the whole narrative of Parks and Rec how she just fully embraced that side of her but she surrounded herself by amazing people specifically Ben like through her journey she let her community keep her grounded as opposed to always kind of like worrying about like Am I being too much right now? Is this crazy? You know, she just kind of embraced that part of her identity. And in their love story specifically, Leslie and Ben helped me embrace more of me in our relationship and more Mm -hmm. of you with like exactly what you're saying without changing the other person. Yeah, you learn how to take those things that maybe other people could interpret as flaws or something. Mm -hmm. But it really is just learning the other person's strengths and allowing them to take that lead when they need to or you to take that lead when you need to just learning how to complement each other really well so i feel like overall the message i got from watching their relationship on screen was going all in on who you are is going to help your relationships 
And I also think it's a very vulnerable move because you could easily like edit yourself for the relationships you're in. And I think that's actually detrimental to relationships because it's really vulnerable to go all in on you and to trust that person person (laughs) with the fullest extent and intensity of who you are. Yeah, I think that hits it like right on the nose. Uh, If you can't be 100% yourself with that person, it's really not worth doing it. Yeah. And I feel like you can see the positive outcome of doing that with Ben and Leslie. Mm -hmm. But enough about fake people. (laughs) (laughs) Not fake people. The realest people I know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Go on. I hate fake people. What was that from? Uh, pitch perfect oh that's right fake bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on <laughs> go on so i just wanted to start with kind of with us a little bit we started our relationship with a little bit of adversity from the outside mm-hmm. but i feel like that really helped us grow like quickly we had to face these harder things like with jim and pam they had to face their like issues really late into the show and it's like that's stuff that we had to pick up really quickly yeah and it allowed us to just learn those hard lessons like up front so for some context um we met doing music together and we reference this a lot because it's probably one of my favorite seasons ever of our lives but um we were doing music like two to three times a week together. We would yeah. uh, we were worship leaders at a church, but on top of uh, leading worship for the youth group every week, we would also go off and do like, I guess like mini conferences and prayer nights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when you are playing for like a worship set, like two times a week, you also have like two or at least one practice session. And, yeah. and that's all, like hours together that we would spend um, doing something that we're both super passionate about, which is music. So I, I play piano, I sing, and what do you do? I play guitar a little bit and I sing. Yeah, I mean, super typical guy-girl thing, but um, <laughs> that's how we met. And so became best friends really quick like we had become like we had known each other for years and kind of um hung out on and off but then when we started doing music together as like a a thing Mm -hmm. we became best friends super quick and not in a way that was like normal like in a way that was like deepest darkest secrets like on the floor right here right now like here's like the worst thing I've ever done. Here's what I'm most scared of in life. Like we would have in- intense, right? Conversations. Pretty intense, which is really abnormal for me at the time. That's true, huh? Like, I feel like that's an example of like where you helped me grow a bit. Mm. But yeah, we, we were definitely different than the average like best friend relationship. I feel like. One thing you said to someone once was we had conversations that some couples that had been dating for years were afraid to have. Yeah. Just as friends. Yeah. And so we kind of had that kind of dynamic. Um, fell in love. My, Micah fell in love first, obviously, guys. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this whole thing where instead of telling me, hey, I'm in love with you, which is what that would have been a normal thing to do. You went to my best friend and you texted her and you're like, Hey, I like Micaiah. What do you, 
What what do you think she'll say if I ask her out? Is that pretty accurate? Yep. Pretty much spot on. <laughs> and my roommate it what at the time was super blunt and was not about that being a middleman. So she's like, I don't know, why don't you ask her yourself? And <laughs> that's not the answer you were looking for. Nope. So from there on, I basically find out from my best friend um, a few days later. Yeah. She was trying to hold the secret in and she couldn't. <laughs> Especially because I would go on and on about how Micah liked this other girl and how Micah wasn't into me. We were just friends. So anyways, she spilled the beans and me being an intense Leslie Nope that I was, like the next day I was like, we need to talk. <laughs> can you that talk text was so frightening oh you talk about that part of it so it, it had only been a few days i know at one point you thought it was like weeks later that she told you but no it was mm -hmm. literally like two days so i didn't even <laughs> like i was building up the courage to talk to you about it and you mm -hmm. were like i get a text and it's like we need to talk and i'm like oh man i already knew what it was about but we were gonna go hang out like mm -hmm. later with a friend and so we ended up like doing our usual and hanging out for a bunch of hours and yeah. then at the end of the night you were like can you drop our friend off first that way we can talk and i was just like oh man like because we would always take your car for some yeah. reason yeah yeah because my car was better yeah that's true it was much nicer <laughs> <laughs> um and so i already knew what was coming and we dropped off our friend and started driving and i remember exactly where you started the conversation it was on so headed south on 99 on the like overpass like by ashland on the junction for the 180 oh i waited until then yeah so like we were oh i thought i did it ready. on the ashland like overpass okay no we were i was like about to drop you off and i was merging onto the 180 to get off on full 10 yeah which is where i pretty much 10. where i lived and it was like so kylie told me that she liked me yeah i'm pretty sure i said that you have feelings for me yeah something yeah. like that uh-huh and i was just like uh yeah I, I you were nervous you were so nervous i feel like i yeah i, I mm -hmm. remember being like really nervous and almost a little frozen yeah in that moment but we ended up talking that night a little bit and you were like what well i don't date i just pursue marriage so if we're gonna do this <laughs> then it's gotta be for marriage and i was just like yeah sounds reasonable <laughs> <laughs> which was ridiculous so like and that in itself could be like a whole podcast episode, like my whole thing about not dating, just like pursuing marriage. But it comes down to the fact that I was the kind of woman, and I guess I still am, I just knew what I wanted. Like I knew I, what I wanted mm -hmm. out of marriage. I knew who I was. And so just like no BS, all or nothing kind of girl. And I'm just like, wow, I don't want to date you, you know? Like if you're friends with me, I know you really, really well. And that was the truth of our relationship. Like we knew yeah. so much about each other. And so I was just like, well, I don't date, you know, I'm just either going to pursue marriage or nothing. And yeah, you were like in. And so basically from that night on, we, we decided to have a couple coffees with one another and talk. <laughs> this sounds so crazy, but like almost 
have meetings about what it would be like to pursue marriage together. And that sounds dry and drab, but it really wasn't. Like, what were those like coffee sessions like for you? Well, first I thought like, that's not something that I would have normally went for. Like I'm very risk averse, or at least at the time I was, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I am so much anymore. Yeah. So just the fact that I agreed to have the coffees was like crazy, Mm -hmm. but it felt really normal for some reason yeah it did like and it like it sounds kind of businessy but it wasn't really businessy it wasn't we got really raw with each other Mm -hmm. about like specific circumstances and what we believed like husband and wife roles are and yeah stuff like that and i don't know i just came away from each of those meetings like feeling good it was more so like heart to hearts. Like we yeah. were just being really vulnerable, like more vulnerable than usual with each other. And like saying like, hey, listen, like I do have feelings for you too. But I I come along with these insecurities that I'm still working on with myself. Yeah. Like this is kind of like you're signing on for all these awesome things that you see in me. But here are also the things that you're going to get. <laughs> I'm still yeah. working. Like that was a big part of it. And we left those coffees like... Well, at least I left those coffees being like, my God, like, I think I'm all in because you kind of had snuck into my life. Like I had these really strong boundaries up with guys and somehow you flew under the radar and you're the only (laughs) guy that had ever done that. Like you flew under my radar and just made your place in my life. And I just couldn't see doing life without you anymore. And it wasn't this thing of like, I know for sure that this is the one, you know, if you're like someone that believes in the one, it was more so like, this is the first person I've ever met that I'm willing to risk being wrong for. So it was at the Starbucks on Fowler and Ashland by your work Yep. on a 10 a.m. Like on a 10 a.m. on a Friday ish around 10 a.m. And that's when we said yes to just going all in. And it was really awkward we awkwardly hugged afterwards and it's like we had just gotten engaged and no one knew except for us and we held it a secret for months yeah we just told people oh yeah we're dating we'll see where this goes but we were we were actually engaged to be married which sounds crazy whenever you listen to it but at the time we were just like yeah this makes total sense and literally six months later we got married Yep. So that happened in March of 2013. Oh my gosh. And yeah, we got married in October of 2013 because it was like late March. It was like the 21st. Yeah. And so what happened afterwards was kind of the adversity part because we were engaged. We were in this bliss mode. We were like going all in biggest risk of our lives. But it just felt natural. Like there was a lot of peace from me, like Mm -hmm. on my end, like I just felt a lot of peace around the decision and our like inner circle was all for it. They were like, (laughs) we we knew this was coming. I had friends trying to convince me to date you for a long time before it actually happened. Everyone was rooting for you. So yeah, everyone in our inner circle was for us. But we found out later, like, well, not too much later during that season, a lot of people that kind of thought that they had a place in our lives that they really didn't like, you know, like family friends or family members that you're really not that close to that are very opinionated. 
just kind of talked about us a lot and had a lot of opinions and were basically saying like, this person is that and they're bad. You shouldn't marry them. Um, and one person even said about me, like on my end of my family, like, oh, she's only getting married right now because she's pregnant. You know, like all of these rumors that were so ridiculous, but yeah, it totally happened. It was a rough season. Yeah. And I really feel like through all that, it really tested how well we were going to do this. Like, were we going to be the couple that folded under pressure or we mm-hmm. were we going to be the ones who stuck through it? Yeah. And ultimately we stuck through it. And I feel like that was something that while painful, I wouldn't trade because it got us to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, we are giving you guys a very clean version, you know, cause we don't want to like throw people under the bus, but it was, it was rough. Like it, and it wasn't just like our engagement season. It lasted into when we were married and, and like, you know, it's lasted. And so it's, it's been a journey of really learning like how to trust just us, what we have, like who we are in our home and how it gave me a gratitude as well for our inner circle. Yeah. And it gave me this really deep appreciation for like, finding people finding a community of people that really know you like not people that think they know you but like people that actually see you and know you and how to trust those voices even more like even when the the opposing voices are louder and there are more of them like how to put stock in the people who actually know you yeah yeah, it, it really wasn't pretty at the beginning. And it was really painful uh, at, at times. But I feel like that's what really made me appreciate who you were because you made me so much better in that period. Like, you helped me grow into a better person. Like, who I am today is because of that time and because of you. And I don't think that's something that maybe I say enough all the time, but you just showed me how to be better through that period because you were so strong through that period too. It was revealing I think that's why we can sit back now because we're going to have our five-year mark in a couple months. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and I remember like feeling so much pain in that season and being like, God, why? Like, why? I don't think I've done anything to deserve what these people are saying about me or what these people are saying about my soon-to-be husband, you know? Like, we haven't done anything that would provoke these kinds of comments and remarks. But in the thick of it, that really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that doesn't determine anything. And and I'm just grateful now, like, that we had that opportunity at the beginning of our marriage to really just sort through, like, okay, regardless of if you feel like you deserve this or whatever, like... Who are you going to be in the midst of it? Who are you going to choose to be? And I think for me, especially as an Enneagram 7, I know we bring up the Enneagram a lot, but it's been really transformative in our lives. And 7s run from pain. 
like run from pain in ways that we don't even fully recognize at first that we will like reason in our heads like oh no this is why i need to avoid that it's yeah. not because i'm afraid of pain it's because of <laughs> the like we are very persuasive but there were lots of moments where i like i remember saying like i just want to leave like i just want to leave i just want to run um and the fact that i was given the opportunity to learn how not to run from pain like you for the first time in my life were something worth fighting for you were something worth going through tremendous pain for and I do like we look back at that season and I still say that is the hardest season I've ever been through because during that season you know we also had a death of my mom's husband and he was the sweetest human ever you know he made my mom light up like I've never seen before and it was just tough you know like there were there were a lot of things that happened. I mean, I think we had a couple of deaths. Yeah, it was crazy couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, so they were they were really formative. But I can really just appreciate like who we came out the other side being. Yeah, and I think that's part of why we wanted to do this episode because on dreamers that do like on Instagram and on the podcast, we don't talk a lot about marriage and about love, but like we talk about it constantly in our real lives. And so it almost feels like we're living a lie by not expressing our thoughts and feelings about relationships and marriage and love because it comes up all the time in our inner circle. And arguably it's one of the biggest factors of people's lives, creative, yeah or emotional or spiritual like it has such a huge place in people's hearts and minds that it's something that i feel like we want to speak into more but yeah do you have any lessons like from our story that you would want someone else to like pull i guess one thing that i walk away with at least from the beginning of our relationship is dream wildly like dream wildly and never start a relationship off on a foot of, well, maybe this could work. You know, like you don't have to do the intense thing of not dating, just going straight into marriage or, or whatever. But definitely don't don't ever start anything off on a foot of like this could work. Like dream wildly and settle for nothing less. Yeah. I feel like that's similar to to what I was thinking a little bit. I feel like the lesson that I would want people to walk away with is to find someone worth fighting for. Mm. Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be something. Whether it's outside or internal, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. So you have to find someone that you're going to want to stick that out for and not just like someone who who as long as all the circumstances are right it's Mm -hmm. good so find someone that's worth like those ugly parts of life because those are always going to be there but when you when you pursue that person it's all going to be worth it and it's going to be a Mm no-brainer and i think that's what really helped us get through it So in closing, which couple inspires you the most? Leslie and Ben or Jim and Pam? I think for me, it would have to be Ben and Leslie. 
just barely eking out over Jim and Pam, but because I feel like they're going in the direction of their dreams and they're like a hundred percent going for it. Mm-hmm. And it really like it, it pushes me to be that better version of myself the one that is like a little more adventurous and risky and just willing to try it out like i don't have to have all my i's dotted and t's crossed you can just take that accounting job and see if it works out if it doesn't you can just quit a couple times (laughs) what about for you i think currently it is jim and pam like at first i felt pressure to be different from you so it's like jim and pam but I actually do think it's Jim and Pam, and maybe it's because we just finished you know, the last episode hours ago, and I was just crying on the bed, Ugh. but I think because I'm learning recently how to slow down and just how to be present and and not necessarily like how to be happy where we are, but just to realize how happy I actually am with where we are, um, Jim and Pam helped me to kind of celebrate the ordinary and the small moments and the coffee runs together and the fact that we can just pull up microphones, sit on the couch, hang out and talk about love together is pretty <laughs> dang cool. Um, yeah. And reminisce almost five years later on on our love story and and where we've been and how to embrace all the parts of our story, even the parts that we're like, oh man, I, I could have done that better. You know, like I should have done that sooner or I should have said this to that person or whatever it is. Like, it's still our story. And that is is good. Yeah. So Jim and Pam. Cool. So we would love to hear from you guys. Who do you guys relate to? Do you guys relate to Jim and Pam? Do you relate to Leslie and Ben? Have you even watched The Office and Parks and Rec? Um, This is probably content that's going to be a little more regular for us. Not so much TV shows, but um, just talking more about love and marriage and relationships and how to face conflict and communication. It's just stuff that we talk a lot about in our home and while we're driving and in our friendships and we just kind of want to let you in to that world a little more. Yeah. And it's stuff we've had to learn the hard way. And so we really just want to be able to share that with people so that they don't have to go through it either. And I've said it before, it's kind of like mushy, but you really are my biggest dream come true. And I think, I think that is like, that's just a part of our, our brand that we want to explore is that dreams are not just career focused, like dreams are anything, you know, that you desire. So I guess I'm excited. I'm excited to get a little bit more vulnerable about the relational side of dreaming. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you guys this week somewhere on the internet. Bye guys. Bye. Hey guys, hope you love today's talk. Remember, your art is valuable and so needed in the world today. So keep dream doing and don't forget to subscribe for weekly talks just like this.